the people of God said amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys can take your seats. Bear with me for a minute because this is going to sound a little, some of the stuff that's going to, I'm going to go blow by blow what probably is going to happen today. I'm going to give my little Sunday school lesson. God is going to move. Some people may cry. Some people may holler. Right? But at the end of the day, the result, the desired result is, is that the obstacle that's in front of you will be removed. That's the idea, right? However it comes. Some people cry. Some people stay silent. Some people scream. Because we got all kind of different backgrounds in the room. Some people are trained. If it's not loud, that's not God. Some people are trained. If it's not quiet, if it's too loud, that's definitely not God. Right? So we got different, different modes of people in the room, and I understand that. And this is what we're going to do. So I'm going to give my little Sunday school lesson, and we're going to jump out of the way. So we're going to talk about promises. Somebody repeat with me. Promises. promises. Say it one more time. Promises. Promises. Now, we all make promises. We call them different things, but we all make promises. During the New Year season, we, ha- we call them resolutions. Those are promises. I'm going to lose weight. I am going to get another job. I am going to go back to school. I am going to chastise my kids more. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And for most people, by January 5th, I'm... I'm trying to be nice. I want to say the second, but about a fifth, give you about five days, those promises go out the window. We promise other people things. We promise our coworker, listen, if you be good to me, I'll be good to you, right? For those of us that are married, we promise our wives, oh, honey, I'm going to take you on that trip, or I'm going to buy you that thing. Wives, you guys, you ladies, promise your husbands certain things. I'm not a wife, so I don't know what y'all promise. I'm going to leave that alone, right? We promise our friends certain things, right? If I'm in trouble, if you're ever in trouble, call me, right? How many of us have told our friends that, our family that? If you're ever in trouble, call me. But sometimes they don't get in trouble when you awake. Most of the time they're getting in trouble when you sleep, two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning. Make sense? Um, Maybe I'm the only one. So ideally promises, although we have good intentions most of the time, promises are very hard. If we're honest, they're very hard to keep. Promises to ourselves, very hard to keep. Because we got this four-letter word that always gets in the way. It's called life. So although I promise that I'm going to be better, Life happens, and I forget my promise because what's in front of me, I have to handle, and that promise, I'll put that to the side. If I put it to the side long enough, it's no longer a promise. I've basically done what? I've let myself down because I haven't stood by my word. Does that make sense? But there is this gentleman in heaven called God. His name is God. And He has given certain promises, and his promise is not backed by good intentions. His promises are backed by his word. So every time he promises something, now now hear me, because we're from, everybody's from different places. So if you're from one of those, oh, let me say it this way. (laughs) Say it this way. If you're from 
If you're from a place that, that believed heavily, oh, excuse me, that... No, no, no. This is not time. Trust me. This is to make sure it comes out right. So we don't got to fight after service, okay? That's what this is, right? If, if you're from one of those places where there was a strong demonstration of the giftings, right? Y'all follow me? Okay, good. Good, good, good. Because the, the way I wanted to say it, it wasn't... The... I'd have had to have Barack walk me out. <laughs> For real. And, oh, and Sam. That's good. <laughs> if you were from one of those places that believe that, that, that was heavy on a demonstration, maybe a little light on the word, but heavy on demonstration, and there's nothing wrong with demonstration, nothing wrong, then you invest a lot in prophecy. Nothing wrong with that. I'm going somewhere. Give me a second. I'm going somewhere. But there has to be a balance between gift and word. Too much word with no demonstration, bad. Too much demonstration with no word, bad. It has to be a combination of the two. The word has to be performed by demonstration. I can't just have, I can't, otherwise what I'm doing is I'm doing magic tricks because there's no word. Does that make sense? And if I'm really doing magic tricks, I'm probably focusing in the demonic because there's no word to back it up. But if I got too much word and there's never any demonstration, then maybe what I'm talking about is not real. Does that make sense? So we're talking about promises, right? Promises. God promises because for those of us that have come from places that have, are heavy on demonstration I want to say something prophecy the prophet only sees a part of the story here's what I mean and we even saw that with Jesus right Jesus told his disciples to go forward go go in the boat across and I'll meet you there he didn't tell them that how he was going to meet them all they knew is that the Messiah told us to get in this boat and that we were going to go to the other side. He didn't tell them that a storm was going to brew and in the middle of the storm, you're going to see me walk on the water. The reason we know he didn't tell them that because when it happened, fishermen that were known for water got scared to death. Right? So prophecy is only a part of the story. And it's usually the these days, it's usually the good part of the story. God, I see, I see God giving you a house. They didn't lie, but he didn't tell you you were going to go broke first. He didn't tell you that because he didn't see that. He wasn't lying, but he didn't see it. Promises. When God makes a promise, he is guaranteed to deliver the promise no matter what it looks like to you. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Can, you, can we get that verse? The Genesis verse? Can we get those, please? Yo, shout out to the AV team for what they do. For real. For real. No, no, seriously, shout out to the AV team. They do a lot of work behind the scenes back there to make everything work. Fellas, I was about to say, don't let me down. <laughs> don't let me down, fellas, please. Genesis 47, we're going to read. We're going to read for a minute, right? Um... 
As a matter of fact, before we read, let's give some background. We all know these stories, but we're just going to kind of do the Sunday school thing for a second. All right? So we know about Abram. Abraham, God tells him to leave where he is. I'm going to take you to a place that you know not of. God makes Abraham a promise. He makes him a promise to double fold. He says, not only am I going to make you a great nation, but I'm going to give you some land. Right? Abraham goes on. We have Abraham and Lot. We know that situation. For those of you that don't know, all this is in the book of Genesis, right? I'm not here to give you Bible study. This is Sunday school. Make sense? <laughs> right? <laughs> so, fast forward. Abraham has a son named, wow, Isaac. Okay, good. <laughs> well, that's right. He has two sons, right? The, 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 the son that he was supposed to have, Isaac, right? Okay, good. Not, not, not the experiment, right? The one he was supposed to have. All right, the, prom, the, the promised one, right? Because we talk about promises, right? So going down the line, Jacob shows up because Jacob is Isaac's what? Son, thank you. Well, I just won't stand up. All right, never mind. Jacob has 12 sons, right? One of his sons is a dreamer, Joseph. Joseph has this dream and in his dream, he sees his mom and dad bowing down to him along with his brothers. Joseph, most of us think that Joseph made a mistake. And he said that out loud. Probably wasn't a mistake. Joseph's brothers get angry at him, sell him into slavery, come back and tell the father that he, an animal killed him. They dip his coat of many colors in some blood. They say, Dad, a wild animal killed your son. Joseph is gone. The family moves on, right? The 11 brothers are still living, obviously. Joseph is in slavery. We find Joseph in Potiphar's house where Potiphar wants a piece of the Israeli man, right? He runs away. She lies on him. Joseph finds himself in jail. While in jail, his gifting comes out because there's people in jail that are having dreams and he's able to interpret the dreams. I'm just trying to give you some background for where we're going, right? Joseph tells people just like we tell them. Like, yo, when you get out of here, remember me, right? And of course, while they're locked up, everybody says, yeah, man, I'm going to take... Well, one guy, he, one guy had a dream that he... And Joseph interpreted that he was going to die, so he couldn't help him. But the one that was going to live, right? It's hard to help somebody when you're dead, right? Unless you're doing something crazy. All right. So the one that was alive, the one that was going to be alive and be free, Joseph said, listen, remember me. And he said, of course, no doubt. So now, Pharaoh starts having dreams. And Pharaoh has all these soothsayers, which are witches, wise men, which are warlocks. They tap into the supernatural without, have, without God. They tap, onto, tap into it on their own. Right? Does that make sense? I'm not talking to anybody that doesn't understand this, do, am I? Right? Because there's a way to tap into the supernatural without God, but it's called witchcraft. The Spanish people call it Thank you, because I can't get that right. Good. Appreciate you. Can't get it right. Thank you so much. Right? So we here, right? So now what happens is none of these men, none of these witches, none of these warlocks are able to tell Pharaoh to, uh, excuse me, to interpret his dream. 
And then the dude that got free, that knew Joseph, says, yo, I know a dude that's in prison. I can almost guarantee you that he's going to know exactly what this is. So nonetheless, fast forward, Joseph goes, Pharaoh goes, gets Joseph. Joseph, he tells Joseph the story, the, the, the dream, the two dreams. Joseph says that these two dreams are the same dream. Basically, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be seven years of plenty of bounty in Egypt. And then there's going to be seven years of famine. Right? Joseph devises this strategy. Somebody say strategy. Somebody say it one more time, strategy. To save certain things while we are in abundance so that when there is lack, we'll have something. I will say this to you. There is coming, we thought COVID was bad. There is coming something real, real soon to this country called America. Is that where we are? That's this America, right? Right. COVID was bad. But there's something financially coming to this country real soon that is going to cause many of us to suffer the way Egypt suffered because there's not going to be a lot of resources. Now we get to the story. Genesis chapter 47, because this is Sunday school. Genesis chapter 47, verse 13. It says, there was no food, because this is now after the seven years of plenty, they have now at this point entered into those seven years of famine. There was no food. However, in the whole region, because the famine was severe, both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. We're going to drop down a few verses. Next verse. There we go. We're going to drop down to 27. Now the Israelites, here's, here's who the Israelites were. At this point, Joseph, I mean, excuse me, at this point, Isaac has sent his sons, excuse me, Jacob has sent his sons to Egypt to get food. He sent 10 of the 11 that were alive to his understanding at that point, right? The 10 go, they don't recognize the dude that they're talking to is their brother, right? Right? They bow down. So that dream he had, it just started happening, right? The promise just started happening. They go back, they set up one brother, to say he stole something, right? The Bible is real juicy. They set up one brother to say he stole something. They bring that brother back. He's with Joseph. The other 10 now, because 11 minus one is 10. Get some math in the, in the class too. 10 go back to their, their father saying, yo, father's like, what happened to the other son? He's like, yo, we got to go back and get him. But he's asking, the, the, the gentleman that we talked to, he's asking for our youngest brother. And the father is like the youngest brother. I just y'all kill one, y'all let one die, y'all let one get arrested. I'm not sending my baby boy there. So they convince him. So then Jacob and the rest of the sons now come to Egypt. This is the Israelites, right? The Bible dictates that there are seventy people from Israel, including Joseph and the children that he had in Egypt at the time. So there are seventy Israelites. Somebody say seventy. Right. This is going to go somewhere. Now the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired somebody say property. property. They were at the excuse me, property there and were somebody say fruitful, fruitful. and in somebody say increased, increased greatly in number. Next verse. 
Jacob lived in Egypt 70, excuse me, 17 years, and the years of his life were 147. All of this, how does all of this work with promises? Here's the thing. God promised Abraham that he would make him a great nation. Well, these are Abraham's only descendants. These 70 people that are left from Abraham's seed outside of the, the folks that outside of the kids uh, um, that uh, uh, um, what's the son's name? The second son for, for, uh, for, for Abraham outside of the kids that Ishmael has birthed. These are the 70 seeds left of the promise to Abraham. There's only 70 of them in the midst of a famine where People are dying because they don't have enough food. Obviously, animals are dying because they don't have enough food. And God's promise still stands. Can I get that first point? Can I get that first point? Here's the first point. Temporary conditions can't cancel the promise. The famine was temporary. Because if you remember Pharaoh's dream, there was only going to be how many years of famine? So that means only I had only we have to do is survive seven years because the promise says that, excuse me, because the, the dream said there was going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, which if we assert correctly after the seven years of famine, things will begin to get back to normal. Temporary conditions can't change the promise. Even though Jacob and his family had to move from Canaan into Egypt, I know we preach it differently in church because Egypt is known as like the, the, the world and hell, right? But at that time, they didn't have that revelation. Egypt was the place where there was food, whether it was hell or not. And there was no way. And here, here's the thing. The thing is, at the time, if that was the wrong move, and this is key, please listen. The key is, if that was the wrong move, God would have said this is the wrong move. Sometimes what we do is we pray, 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 pray. God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And sometimes all you got to do when you don't hear something is move. And God will say, that's not the right move. But if he ain't saying that's not the right move, then you're probably moving in the right direction. Does that make sense? I know they don't preach this in the most churches because they want you to stay where you are. They don't really want you to progress nowhere. They want you to stay. But the idea is, if you are a child of God and you're in the wrong position, there's always this inkling inside of you that says you're in the wrong spot, that you're going in the wrong direction. And if you don't get that, that means you're moving in the right direction. So temporary conditions can't cancel. They can't cancel the promise. Just because they had to move, just because they didn't have any food doesn't cancel the promise. Next, next point, please. Here's the thing. While I grab some water, excuse me. Y'all can still hear me, right? Yeah. All right. I know we're recording. I won't be here long for this. <laughs> Can't talk if you pass out. <laughs> All right. Don't allow your eyes and your mind to play tricks on your ears. You got to know what you heard. 
And you got to know where you heard it from. Your eyes will play tricks on you because what you see, what they saw was there's no food. I'm sure they started seeing bodies drop because people were suffering. I'm sure at some point, right? I'm sure they saw livestock fall away. We, we, the Bible says that Canaan, Canaan wiped away. Meaning that the country didn't go anywhere, but everything that inhabited the country was infected, was affected, right? It wasn't a disease, affected. Use the right word, right? So the, sometimes you do have to laugh at yourself. <laughs> so the, the idea is if we only rely on what we see, then it'll cause us to make decisions that are improper. Any football fans in here? Any football fans? Football, football, football? Okay, cool, good. All right. For those that aren't football fans, because that was like a very small. <laughs> I'm going to still get this point across. Don't worry about it. Just work with me. Right. So in football, football is football is thought to be a game of strength and brawn, but it's more a game of strategy. So the quarterback. Right. He usually has five to six people blocking for him, trying to make sure that the other team doesn't attack him. Right. But meanwhile, what he's looking at. He's looking at people playing games with him. He's looking at a defense is set up one way, but they may be doing something totally different. Right. So on tape, he studied when they form, when they when they line up like this, they're going to do this. And a good coach says, well, we're going to line up like this, but we're going to do something different just so we can confuse the quarterback. Doesn't that sound like the devil? Right. His job is to make it look confusing to you. He wants to confuse us. He wants to let us, he wants to make us think that God left us. He wants, once we make a mistake, he says, oh, you made a mistake. That's a career ending injury. You're done. And we go in a slump. We go in a corner. We go in a cave. We, come, we become unproductive. Or we miss out on stuff that we were supposed to do simply because not necessarily a fear because we've been in our heads, in our minds. The enemy has taught us that we have been a disappointment to God. And because we're disappo a disappointment to God, there are no more chances for you. Grace is done. You just hear you want to sit in, the, in your corner for the rest of your life and not be productive. And most of us, we do that. We come to church, we clap our hands, they tell us to get up, we get up. Tell us to raise our hands, we raise our hands. They tell us to sit down, we sit down. It's like Simon says, red light, green light, right? That's what we're doing. Not, no productivity, no fruit, only because we are listening to the enemy. We forgot what we heard. Our mind will play tricks on us because your mind says, God gave that promise to Abraham. Abraham's dead. Isaac, dead. Jacob, about to die. So the enemy says, what's taking so long? If God's promise is what it is, shouldn't that have happened by now? Maybe you got off at the wrong exit. Now he got us backtracking. So we're supposed to go to exit 15. And we like at exit three, he got us thinking, maybe you should go back because you missed an exit. Now we doing the rest of our lives doing this, driving, turning around because we're not really sure. 
And then we get a word, and the word says, nah, go forward. And we're doing this, and we get to exit five. And here comes the devil again. Because we never closed the loophole, here comes the devil again. Yeah, I think you missed it, because by now, he's blessing Sister Sherry. You see her? See how she, she blessed, he blessed her. He forgot about you. You sat right next to her every Sunday. What got on her should have got on you. And now you back up again. And then another word comes. And this is how you become word junkies without productivity. All right? So now another word comes. And now you go to exit nine. Exit nine. And he come again. Yo. Did you see brother? What's your name? Don't be scared. No, no. Then you now. So yeah, you. What's your name? James. He blessing brother James. And brother James just got saved and he blessing them. You've been in the faith for 30 years and your promise ain't come yet. Here you go again. Oh, my God. You know how much time you wasted going back and forth? Then all of a sudden you get here. Here comes another word. God said, no, he's not done with you yet. But you didn't waste 40 years. Not because of disobedience, because of misdirection. All the product, all the fruit you were supposed to have yielded. All the stuff you were supposed to have done. Stunted. Because you can't get this little cracker out your ear that's telling you, look at him, look at her, look at what God is doing for him, look at what God is doing for her. Sometimes you got to say, forget all of that. Because you got to understand that everybody has seasons and everybody's season is different. And on top of everybody's individual season, there are seasons like this where there's going to be seasons of plenty for everybody and seasons of famine for everybody. Those are the complexities of life. So I can't look at Sister Sherry and how God is using her and doing with her and be bad and be mad because he's not doing it for me. It's just what he's working in you takes a little longer. You might have a little bit more situations than she had to bust through, right? A seed, remember something, a seed, when it hits the ground, it does more work underground, unseen, than it does above ground. That while it's, when it gets underground, it busts open. It spreads to go find water. And if it's going to be something very tall, that means the roots got to go real deep. If the roots got to go real deep, it's going to take a long time for it to go through and be established so that when it pops up out of the ground, it won't, nothing can, nothing can deter it. Does that make sense? So please do not allow your eyes and your mind to play with your ears. Remember what you heard. And if you can't remember what you heard, ask God. Ask him, Lord, I for, be honest. I'm honest with God. Yo, God, I, I really, I don't know. I don't know. It's been plenty of times. This is my prayer. God, I don't know. So you're going to have to figure it out. And then when you figure it out, let me know what's up. <laughs> if I'm real, that's, that's my prayer. It is no, oh God, I think, no, 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 no. When it gets tough, nah, B, listen. <laughs> Ask my wife on my line. We'll be in a circle praying. I'll be like, check this out. I, I love the King James type prayers. I love the pastorly type prayers. But when it gets tough, man, listen, we got to figure this out. <laughs> We got to figure this out. And since you already got it figured out, that means you got to put me on because I ain't got it figured out. It's looking crazy out here. You said this and it's looking real crazy out here. The more you talk, the worse it get. 
Do I have a test? Do I have somebody that can testify? The more he talks, the worse sometimes it gets. Oh, I just want to make sure I'm in the right spot. Because then maybe, maybe I got to go back and go get a word. <laughs> Next point. Next point. Is this working? Is this working? Is this resonating with you? Yo, God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He controls the storyline. No one else does, including us. Make sense? So here's the thing, Brother Stacy. I'm sure, I'm sure. When Moses took the children of Israel out of Egypt, when he told Pharaoh that he, God wanted Israel to go worship him, I'm sure they wasn't thinking about no Red Sea. I'm sure. And if God had told them, if he had, had any inclining about a Red Sea, they would have tried to take the pen from God and rewrite their story. God don't have no ghost. The thing is, God has no ghostwriter. He's the only one writing. Right? Sister, Sister Stacy, I'm sure. I am positive. Positive. And we know this to be the fact. Even though Jesus knew he was going to a cross to die, he got to a point. He said, yo, check this out, God. Well, I'm sorry for those of you that are, this is a paraphrase. There's no Bible that says, yo. Uh, all right. I just want to make sure. Right, right, right. right. I was looking for the yo. Y-O. We can't find it. I'm sure because we know he knew he was going to die, but in his humanity, something said, yo, check this out. This, this, this is, he hadn't even gotten to the cross yet, but he felt the tension of the cross. This is looking real rough. Yo, is there another way? Can I ghostwrite? Can I grab your pen for a minute and rewrite something? And then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Oh my God. My brother, my sister, I am sure if we were, had any inkling of what was going to unfold in our lives, we would have tried to grab the pen and say, no, no, no. That's a bad part of the story. You know, no, no. Disease? But healing? Why don't we make it this way? Why don't we say, I, got, I fell down real bad? It's close. It's close, right? I was enabled for a moment, so I felt, because you know, a good ghostwriter makes somebody else's bars more, right? So if I want to be a good ghostwriter, no, disease is kind of like, eh, that's bad. <laughs> Let's say I got in a bad relationship and I was missing from the church for two or three months. And then in those two or three months, I got healed and I came back and I was victorious. Don't that sound like a better story? That's less pain. It's a little pain. Because we got to make it look good. But it's less pain than having a disease. See, we don't, we, only, we don't control anything. We don't control, we don't control when we come into this world. We don't control how we leave this world. And we don't control when we leave this world. Let me repeat that. We don't control how we come, when we come into this world. We don't control how we go out this world. And we don't control when we go out of this world. God is in control. So no matter what the devil tells you, I'm going to give you a story. Very true. 2021, my wife had pulmonary embolism. She, um, 
called me one day. We went, we went out house talking. And this is how fast things change. We went out house talking, having a good time, laughing, joking. She was fine. She went to go get her hair done. She called me back because, you know, it'd be taking y'all like five, six hours to get y'all. Right? Dude, go to the barbershop 30 minutes, she out. The other 30 minutes, we talking. <laughs> Hour. Woman, like, take it so long. Right? So anyway, she calls me back and she says, yo, I'm having trouble getting to the car. I'm like, yo, what are you talking about? Because, you know, now the husband of me says, well, the, the, the dude that is, that, that's, oh, praise Jesus. <laughs> now, I could, I could continue sweating, but it's probably not good for the camera. Nonetheless, thank you. The, so she calls me back and says, I'm having problems getting to the car. I said, what's wrong? She says, my breathing is something that's messed up. So I'm like, all right, you might, you might have ate, you know, you know, people from Africa, we be thinking, we do- thinking we doctors without a doctorate. <laughs> you probably ate something bad. Come on, drink something hot, take a bath, go to bed. We be good. Get some ginger ale. We be good. Tea and ginger ale cures everything. Hot tea and ginger ale kills everything. Right? Do I got a witness? Ah, all right, good. So the next day she gets up and she says, I said, how you feel? She said, I'm fine. Great. The Lord did it. She gets downstairs. I get a call back. I'm like, yo, what's going on? She says, yo, I'm feeling the same way. Where you at? I'm in the driveway. I'm in the car. Right, stay where you are. Take her to the hospital. During COVID, nobody can go in the hospital. Only she can because she's the patient. She fast forward. I go home. Right, because she, now she's in the hospital for like five days. Day two of her being in the hospital, I'm at the house. I feel totally ill, and the devil says, "You're gonna die." I had never felt that way in my life. He says, "You're gonna die," and I said, "At first, I was believing him. I was like, man." So when a believer, when you say something like that, the first thing I do, make sure we right with God, because if I gotta go, I need to go to the right place. <laughs> Make sense? Make your call on election sure. You might want to check it one more time. One more again, right? Just make sure, just in case. And then, my res- then, then something kicked in. My res- Nobody was there. I didn't call anybody because everybody's going through their own stuff. You know what I'm saying? And here's, here's my point. Maturity says you and God can handle it. Right? No offense if you got to call somebody because sometimes you do have to call somebody. But I've been doing this for a minute. This ain't new. So, so resolve kicked in and said, and I said, well, I'm tired of being the only, you being the only Negro talking. <laughs> tired. You're the only one talking. I said, guess what? Here's, here's what's, here's what's going to happen. I said, even if I do go, you still don't win. Because as long as I keep my faith, you don't win. As long as I keep my, the conviction, you don't win. So if I got to go, let's go. So I went to sleep. No fear, no nothing. Now, here's the crazy part. The next morning I woke up, I was like, wow, it worked. Okay, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Next point. Next point. Here's the thing. We got to fix our resolve. The enemy can't keep bullying us. Right? The best way to deal with a real bully is to If you got a real bully, right, because he, he picked you because he figured you weren't going to fight back. 
That's why the, the bully's not picking the dude that know he gonna, that's going to fight. He ain't doing that. He's picking somebody that he figures ain't going to fight back. And the only way to... No, now, excuse me. For those of these new parents, y'all forgive me. Y'all teach your kids what y'all need to teach them. I would teach my kid, pick up whatever you got to pick up. Knock that. Woo! Because he won't come back no more. Once you bust him upside his head, the first time, he ain't coming back. And if he do come back, guess what you got to do? Bust him upside the head again. Pastor, I'm so sorry. But I ain't say kill him. Bust him upside the head again. And that's what you got to do with the enemy. If he's bullying you, you got to fight back. And if you can't fight, yo, there's enough people in this room that can teach you how to fight. Spiritual fight, because listen, this whole Christianity walk, this ain't for no punk. You got to fight. You might not have to fight with your hands. You don't fight necessarily with your words. You ain't kicking nobody. You ain't getting out of character. But there is a way to approach God and understand that you have power to destroy. Hold on for a second. Not power just to get out of the works of the enemy. You have power to destroy. That's what the scripture says. To destroy the works of the enemy. Meaning that you render them helpless. See, because if, see, because if I'm, just, I'm just playing with him, that means whatever he's doing, he's going to continue to do. But if I bust him upside the head one time, he'll know in that area of the life, yo, I can't get him there. I better try something else. Right? And that's what we got to find. How to, so our resolve has to be this. Can, you, can we get that Roman scripture up? The Roman scripture. Here's what our resolve has to be. And I'm sure when this was written, Paul sat back and looked. Because remember, he was an Old Testament scholar. Paul had to sit back and look and recite what happened to Daniel. What happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What happened when Goliath stepped up against David. What happened when Daniel met the lions then, met, met the lions in the lions then, right? And I'm sure he penned this. Who shall separate us from the love of God, love of Christ? Inside that love of Christ is the plan of God for your life. Because that's part of his love as well. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death. Remember I told you, it's not for a punk. For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. Before I keep reading. Remember I said. This Christianity walk is violent. He's talking about here. That we die. We are killed all the day long. Right back up again to the 37. Back up again. Yeah. I appreciate you. And then we're more than conquerors. Listen if you. If you need to be a conqueror. Conquerors got to fight. Nobody gives up and says you win. Nobody does. I mean I know in this. Participation trophy era is different. I know it's different. I know it's different. Just because y'all showed up, y'all get an award. Nah, 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 nah. It's the, it's the per it's the it's the person that won, right? Next verse. For I am convinced, meaning I'm confident. 
I am not shaking. No matter what happens, this is what I believe. That neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present, the stuff that I'm seeing now, or the future, the stuff that's to come, nor any powers, no Santeria, no witchcraft, no voodoo, no nothing, right? Neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of... He said, listen, I might have missed something. So in case I miss something, I'll just sum it up like this. Nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That has to be our resolve every single day. Because believe me, the devil is he coming scrapped up every day. He coming scrapped up every day. And if this is not our resolve, we're going to take some L's. This got to be our resolve. Not that God move it from me. Nah, God, let me go through this joint. And here's what I mean when I say go through. And when sometimes when we say that in church, you're like, that means you want trouble. No, here's what that means. That means I know I can't dodge trouble. I know trouble is coming. So if trouble is coming, then trouble is in trouble because it came after me. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And that's not just words. That has to be the resolve. Trouble is in trouble because it came after me. If you decide, Goliath, you're in trouble because I was out in a field messing with sheep. I didn't come out here. I came out here to get bread and cheese to somebody. Now you out here talking crazy? Then that means you got to get dealt with. He didn't go out there to kill Goliath. He didn't even go out there to face Goliath. He went out there to handle, fulfill his father's wishes and give some stuff to his brothers and to find out what was going on with the captain. Then he heard Goliath talking crazy. Anybody, I mean, here's the thing. I'm from Southeast Queens. So I know sometimes, <laughs> here's what I do know. I'm not a tough guy at all, but here's what I do know. Sometimes trouble finds you when you're not looking for it. But at that point, you better be ready to handle your business. Because if you're not ready to handle your business, when it finds you, it's there to handle you. That makes sense? That resonate with people? So here's the thing. Promises. God's promises are going to outlast everything in your life. All the trouble, all the speculation, all the ridicule, anything that can come against you. God's, as, long as, you as long as we listen and obey God, his promises will outlast everything that we're dealing with. Some of you in this room have given up on God. You're just here in attendance, but you've given up on God internally. And I'm, listen, I'm not here to point nobody out. That's not my job. But it is common to mankind to hear something. And if it doesn't happen in a certain amount of time, You start believing the enemy and saying, it's not going to happen. You know what most of that is? Pride. Because when somebody, when God tells you something or somebody sees something in you, that's true. In your head, you're like, man, if that was to take off right now, I'd be the man. That's the problem. That's why it's taking so long. Because God's promise is his. It's not for us to gloat. It's not for us to manipulate others. So sometimes 
It's kind of like Israel, right? When they were in the wilderness, running around, walking around for 40 years. They were walking around for 40 years because they had to, he had to work some things out of them in order for the people that had the right mindset to enter into the promise. So sometimes we can't get to the promise because there's some other stuff going on in us. God has greatness prepared for us, but we are not to use our greatness for our own personal gain. And that sometimes is a thing that hinders. So here's what I submit to you today. God is not a liar. If you heard him, he's not a liar. Whatever he promised, not only is he able to do it, he is going to do it. I'm tired of hearing God is able. We know he's able. We know his capacity. But the thing is, sometimes we don't say with some level of conviction that he will. We know he's able. We got songs about God is able. I can't sing, but I'm going to, you know, do the thing. Right? He's able. He can't fail. Well, if he can't fail, then he can't fail you. All we got to do is hang in there. Right? Does that make sense? And one of the hardest things to do in Christianity is not to fight the devil. It's not to, it's not to cast out a demon. One of the hardest things to do is to continue to believe God when you believe he's delayed you. That's the hardest thing to do. So here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do, right? I don't want to make it a spectacle or anything like that. If that's you, and listen, let me say something here. We're family. So it doesn't matter if you're a leader. I'm not into titles, right? I got enough titles. I don't even use them. Trust me. Ask my wife. I have enough titles in church and outside of church. I don't even use them. So I'm not really into that. Here's what I'm sort of, here's what I mean. Because sometimes in church, leadership, the leaders say, there's no way I can go up. God may have need of me. He does. He needs you to come up. He does. Right? I remember I told you I've been doing this for a minute. So all the tricks, I know all of those. And then there's some people here that say, I won't come up because if I come up, it's going to look like I don't have any faith. No, no. I just told you that it is common for people, for Christians, to believe that God has forsaken them when what he said does not materialize in their parameter of time. We expect when he says it, Right, we read Genesis that he spoke and light occurred. Well, light is, those things are obedient. He didn't have to work anything out the atmosphere. All he had to do was speak. And you and me, he got to work some stuff out. So when he promises something, sometimes it seems like there's a delay because there's a process of working some things out so he can replace that with what he told you. So he hasn't forsaken you. He's just still Somebody say working. working. He's working. When, they, when, the, when, they, when the scripture says all things work together for the good, it also means your weight works together as well. That's part of him working it out. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So here's the thing. I don't need you to agree with me. I just need, I need the, us, the church needs to get in position. We all need to be in a spot that we're supposed to be in so we can take this world over for God. It's too much to leave it up to pastor to do it on his own. It's too much to leave it up to a few people in the church to do it along with the pastor. It is the body 
if my heart is pumping and my brain is not working and my legs are not working, then something is wrong. Does that make sense? They call that something. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not sure what they call it, but they call that something, right? It is time for the body in general to get in line. So if that's you, I just want you to come up. If that's you, if, you, if you're saying, hey, God is giving me some promises and I'm really having some trouble because it hasn't come through. And there is a little bit in me that says, I failed, or maybe God has forgotten about me. If that's you, I just want you to come out of your seats. Just come. No hocus pocus, no magic. Whoever it is, don't look at them. Just get out their way. If they bump you to come up, just get out their way. All right? Just let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Stay, stay right where you are, too. Stay right where you are. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's spread out. Let's spread out. 